0: You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. About idols. And that was the opening of this series that we are, are looking at our own heart. And uh, this idea that he gave to us was how much we are prone to idols and, 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 and idols can fill up our lives and, and all of that kind of stuff. And the reality that what we really need is Jesus and we need to be focused on Jesus and all of that. He did a great job, much better than my summation just, just then, okay? But here's where I want to pick up from with that today. And I want to talk about this area of trust for a few minutes with you. And that is to, to pose a question to you, first of all, is why are idols so prevalent even in our day? Why is it that we are so prone to take up idols or establish them or build them in our lives? And I think the ultimate answer to that for, for all of us is going to be that we, we have this need to trust in something. We have, a, we have a tremendous need to trust beyond ourselves. I think at the core of our, our own system, we all know that we are not sufficient in and of ourselves. And so we have this need to depend on someone or something else in our lives. And God has created us in that manner. He's created in such a way, He has created us in such a way that we need Him. That that He is the answer for us. And Jesus Christ is the answer for our lives, right, He has given you the Holy Spirit to empower you and to guide you, but also to comfort you and to care for you. And so I want us today to look at the issue of why we have so many idols or why we are so prone to worshiping the idols of our lives. And Pastor Dave talked about a a number of things that those idols could be in our lives. Food could be an idol. We could could depend on food and, and desire food more than we desire God. It's now an idol, okay? All right? It could be relationships. We could depend on the relationships we have with others uh, more than we depend on our relationship with God, all right? Um, You all know how I feel about Facebook, but that, you know, it's out there. We're all wanting friends, you know, and now it's the number of friends and the response of those friends and all those kinds of things uh, rather than deep abiding relationships. And God doesn't want to poke you on Facebook, all right? He wants to know you. He wants to love you. He wants to be integrated into your life. He wants to engage you. That's why he has given you the Holy Spirit so that he has an avenue or a venue, if you will, to get into your life and to fill you up and to consume you and to draw the passion in your life up so that that passion is directed towards him and you can have a dynamic relationship with Almighty God through his Son, Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. Now... I think the, the issue that we have to look at in this, this place of going into our own heart is the level of trust or the trust factor that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. How much do you trust God? How much are you willing to really lay your life out there on the line for, for the kingdom of God uh, simply because you are willing to trust Him for everything? You're willing to, to absolutely give Him total reign. He can... He can make all the decisions for our lives. How many of us are really in that place where we have absolute and total surrender to God? Because that is saying, okay, God, I trust you completely. I trust you with everything. How many of us hold back aspects of our lives, our particular decisions in our lives? How many of us have said by our actions, yes, God, you're right, but and then by action we move in a direction contrary to actually trusting God and believing God for His Word. And so I think when we, when we realize that God has mandated us to go out into the earth and to make disciples, and He's mandated us as Life Church, those who are, who, are, who are part of Life Church here, He's mandated us to reach this neighborhood by virtue of He has planted us here in this particular neighborhood. You know, are we living out of trust? Are we living out of this place to say, God, I trust you that you are right? I trust you that you are sovereign and that where you have placed us, where you have called us to to live and do life together as a community of faith, that in that place, you are good. In that place, you are sufficient and you will take care of us. And these are the kinds of questions that I think we're going to have to wrestle with a little bit and I think trust is the place we start with that, okay? In the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, I think these are possibly some of the most amazing scriptures about trust that, that we have Consequently, they are the most used and maybe even overused to the point that sometimes we just we quote them or we just throw them out there. You know, someone says something about, oh, it's so hard for me to trust or I'm just having a hard time. I'm really struggling right now. Life is tough right now. You know, and what's one of the first scriptures that we lean to trust in the Lord with all your heart? Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge or submit to him and he will make your path straight. You know, and we say it. And the other person looks at us and smiles and says, thank you. And they walk away, you know, and they're going, dang. Why? Because this is an area that we all wrestle with. This is an area that is tough for us to really trust, to really lean into God and let God really have complete sovereign control and authority in our lives. I, 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 Really appreciate all the, the translations, and, and I understand acknowledging Him is, 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 is a, probably an appropriate translation to a degree, but I love this translation I just read to you or just quoted to you because it says, in all your ways, submit to Him. All right, I think it's easy to acknowledge someone's authority but not submit to it. And I think that trust is the issue as to the level of, of submission that we have with God. And so I want you to be challenged this morning to kind of weigh that out, all right? Now, there are times, I suppose, when things really start to go wrong in our lives. Uh, The whole world maybe seems to be crumbling around you, and you kind of wonder what's going on. And maybe we live in some of those kinds of times, you know. The economy is tough, and and there's rumors of war out there like never before. There's some imminent things out there that if they all happened in the right order, uh, it could really devastate us as a nation, uh, there's, there's, a, there's shootings going on all the time now, uh, and not just in schools, not just in theaters, but I'm talking just, just in, in general public places. There's an amazing amount of people in America that are dying just by other random shootings or other people doing random shootings, those kinds of things. We are in a precarious world. We are in... Uh, some very challenging times, and, and, and we can move it away from, from the bigger picture out here and kind of narrow it into our own lives, and we can begin to see in our own lives some places where we feel very uncomfortable, we have angst inside of us, there's confusion, there's doubt and all these things that are going on, and fear is rising up in us, and we don't know, we don't know the answers to all the things that we're trying to figure out. And I, I dare say that I, I could go around to each one of you and give you a, a couple of minutes if, if it was safe for you to disclose. You could disclose some things in your own life. You could disclose some troubling situations in your own life that you're dealing with. And there's a part of us that just says, I've got to grin and bear it. And that's how we come to church a lot of times, you know, just grinning and bearing it. All right, Not really able to share it, not really able to lay it out there or, or, or find a friend or a brother or a sister that we can really lay our burden on them and they can carry it with us. we don 't even know how to do that, and here's, the, here's the, the, the greater problem for most of us. it isn't an issue of whether or not we could, if possible bear our, uh, lay our burdens on another, but we are so consumed with our own burdens, we're so consumed with our own issues, we're so consumed with our own struggles that we're not not open to the burdens of others. Most in the body of Christ today have the mentality that I have enough of my own problems. I can't carry anyone else's. And so this idea of being community, oh, it messes with us. It bothers us. We're not sure if we want to invest in the community, in the, in the body of Christ because we don't know what it's going to cost us. And a lot of that is because the issues inside of our own heart have become so big and so overwhelming and we are not letting God have them and we're not letting God change us and we're not... Utilizing the body around us in body ministry so that we're walking in a, in a fully healthy and very functional kind of way. That's probably the way the early apostles were feeling. As you read through the scriptures you find them in the story of Christ as they move along and I'm going to take you and open that story up in the book of John, here for just a few minutes, and I'm going to begin in chapter 14. Keep in mind, the mandate is that in all your ways you acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. All right, in all of your ways you will acknowledge Him or submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. Now, let's open this story of Jesus here for just a few minutes, and let let's look at it. So, we're going to look in the Gospel of John, beginning. Uh, chapter fourteen, verse one, and and I, I want to pick up a story here. Okay, now the week of this particular story began very good. You know, so when they, they they had a great first part of the week. It's the glorious triumphal entry of Jesus into into Jerusalem. All right. The people are waving the palm branches and they're shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. All these, I mean, it's good. All right. It's celebratory. It's wonderful. And and all of these people are thinking, all right, here it is. He is going to rock the earth right now. He is going to turn some things upside down. They are watching. They are waiting for Jesus to do some crazy, amazing things, okay? So, all of a sudden, Jesus is crucified, all right? Jesus is taken, you know? And so, it's going to get bleak, but there's a few things that happen, like in this little window right here between this moment of of this Hosanna and blessed be the name of the Lord and, and the actual death and resurrection of Jesus that, that I want to look at here, all right? And, and you've got to understand that, that this all happened prior to this particular moment. And, and uh, in, in, in John chapter 12, you kind of see this kind of laying out. And there comes the point here where the Pharisees, and the, they're, they're all trying to to, to, to get someone to to uh, betray Jesus and and so so there's all these different things going on, all these little storylines going on in here in this thing. And so then as we get into this 14th, 14th chapter, we see Jesus and the apostles and they're in the upper room and they've eaten the Passover meal. So he's almost at the cross. He's not quite there yet, but he's almost at the cross. Now, here's the thing. Everybody's going, Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord, all this kind of stuff. Then some things start to, to, to shift and they start to change and it's, it's moving towards the crucifixion and everybody's looking and listening and trying to figure things out and Jesus has them and He brings them into this upper room and they're sitting there and He eats this meal with them and, and He knows that, that He's about to be betrayed and so He begins to say some things to the disciples. Now, they don't know what's out there. They don't don't quite understand. They don't get this thing about the crucifixion. They don't get this thing about the death. And they certainly don't get this idea of the resurrection of Jesus. They still believe somehow... He's going to do something wild and he is going to just take over and he's going to become the ruler and he's going to be bigger than the Roman Empire and the world is going to change. It's going to get all better. Everybody's going to be good. It's going to be really great. You go, Jesus. And he gets them in this upper room and he begins to say to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. What? I mean, these are the guys who are saying, it's about to happen. We've been waiting. It's going to be good. This, it, it's going to be great. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. That's kind of heavy, you know. That's kind of like, huh, I, why are you saying this to us? They're not, they're, they're, you know, what, what, what's the reasoning behind this? We wanted to hear something else. I think a lot of people in the body of Christ want to hear something else. We want to hear how good it is. And if we can't hear how good it is, well then tell us how good it's going to get. I can handle how it is if I know it's going to get better. And they all thought it was going to not only get better, it was going to get great. It was going to be practically perfect, and we're not going to have problems and worries and fears. All oh, that's going to be over with. And so they had this expectation of Jesus and he says, I don't want your heart to be troubled. You're going to trust in God and I want you to trust in me. He knew Judas would betray him. He knew that he... Listen, Jesus is sitting there talking to them and he realized that there, there, are, there are meetings going on even as they are, are talking. There are, there's an illegal trial going on. And, and he's being weighed and judged and he knows what's coming down the pipe. He knew already about the cross. He knew already about the borrowed tomb. He was trying to prepare the apostles. And here's the application that I have for you, and, and, and I, wanted, I want to make the application in the form of a question: Do you ever find yourself in the place of needing comfort? <laughs> Do you ever find yourself in that place where you don't, you don't have the answers to all the questions? You, you, you ever find yourself in that place where you're experiencing some kind of trouble, some kind of, of situation, if you will? And Jesus is saying here that there's a solution to what is coming down the pipe in your life. There, there's a solution to what you are going to deal with and what you are going to face in your life. And here's the, here's the problem. Here's the angst that we have as the body of Christ. The Bible says you will have troubles. It doesn't give you an exit out of trouble. It gives you a way to handle the troubles that enter into your life and exit your life. And so I want to challenge you that you begin to prepare your heart in the right way. The Bible says in one particular passage, hope deferred makes the heart sick. What that means is you, you, get, an, you get an expectation, you get a hope within inside of yourself and you build that up in your heart and your heart is, is fattened by this hope, by this desire that you have. And it may be a desire for uh, something that's a day away or a year away or, or many years away, but, but there's this hope. It's going to happen. It's going to come. And, and the expectation is there. How many of you ever, you, you took a trip, but really the most fun of the trip was the six weeks before when you were planning it. You were getting ready for it. You were hoping. You know, you put great hope in that. And then you take the vacation or the trip or the weekend and you go... Well, it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. It's because you had great hope. You built this great hope, this great expectation inside of you for that. And then when it doesn't happen the way the expectation is laid out or the hope is established, then there's disappointment. Disappointment is actually toxic. All right, It makes the heart sick, if you will. All right, And so, so we are to put our hope in God. All right, we're we're to trust in him and to to rest in him. And I want to challenge you and I that that we not let the things of this world, the the hopes and the expectations that we've had that haven't come about, poison us and poison our heart, all right? So this becomes a true heart issue. And he says to the apostles here, he says, first of all, I I want you to trust in me. This is what I want you to do. As as you are going forward here, trust in me. Because he knows that there are some grave expectations out there that are not going to be met. They've already got it in their heart that he's going to turn the world upside down and change everything. It's going to all be good. And he's saying, no, that's not the way I'm going to do it. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to put your hope in me. I need need you to to trust in me. Not Not only trust in God, but trust in me. In, in, in Christ. All right. what, what is he really saying here? He's, he's, he's saying, I, I know you trust in God to a degree, but now I need you to really trust in me. Alright? And here's what he's trying to say to them, I think. He's saying, now remember, when you can no longer see me, you still got to trust in me. And in just a little bit here, he says, I'm going away but I'll send a comforter. I'm going away, but I'll send a comforter. What he's saying is, I'm never going to leave you in a place where you can't trust me. You've got to trust in me. And this is where the problem comes in for you and I is because what we cannot put our hands on. See, there are, there are people in the body of Christ, they will trust this doggone chair more than they will trust God. Why? Because they can sit in this chair because they can see it. Some of you got up this morning and you trusted the electrical corporation in South Dakota more than you trusted God because you went and flipped that switch with full intent that those lights were going to come on. And you were already wondering about God and how faithful he would be today because you were already in anxiety about the things you got to deal with. There's so much if we can, if we can see it or, or we can kind of understand it in some way, we will put our trust in it in a moment. You're going to believe that this chair is going to hold you up. Every one of you came in here and you sat down. You didn't go, gosh, I wonder about this church. It's kind of sketchy. It's in a weird building. You know, they got all this equipment around here for building stuff. These chairs might not stand up. I better be careful. You know, I didn't, I watched. No one came in and went, all right, yeah, I'll sit down. You trusted We trust in what we can see. We trust in what we can hold on to to a degree. Here's the problem. We trust in things we can see. We trust in things we can touch. We trust in things we can feel. But it's very difficult to trust in things that are alive. Because we don't trust in God at the level we need to, it's very difficult for us to trust in one another. We don't like to get disappointed. We don't like the heart to get sick. And because the heart has been sick on occasions throughout life. This is what the enemy wants to do. Continually the enemy is wanting to jump in there and hurt you and hurt you and hurt you. And how does he do that? With people that love you and care about you. People you depend on. People you look up to. People in authority. And so we get hurt and we get wounded and we get hurt and we get wounded and we get hurt and we get get wounded. And eventually it's like, you know what? I don't need anybody. I'm alright. All by my self I'm okay and we build a wall and the heart becomes hard and we have the inability to relate and then our relationship with God is damaged because of that inability and I want to challenge you today that you come back to this place Jesus is trying to help his disciples see to overcome disappointment to overcome unmet needs to overcome Expectations that that don't come about. David uses a scripture, Psalm 28, verse 7. He says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy. And with my song, I praise Him. This is another way to say it here in the NIV. The Lord is my strength, my shield. My heart trusts in Him. I'm helped. Now notice the correlation here. When I let the Lord be my strength, when He is the shield and, and when my heart is trusting in Him, there's a, there's a correlation here. My heart leaps for joy. I'll give thanks. I'll sing. There's a, there's a, there's a wonderful place here in God when we can trust Him, where we find peace and we find joy and we find satisfaction. There's nothing here about I'll make it all better and I'll make it perfect and your world will be without blemish and you won't have to worry about anything and it'll be really sweet. That's not the promise. The correlation here is that if you will trust, regardless of where the world is, regardless of the situation you're in and the circumstances you're in, regardless of that, when you trust in the Lord, something happens internally. Something happens inside of us. And that's the place where we begin to find joy and it even begins to be established in our hearts. And then we respond very differently at that point. So, trusting in his presence, Trusting that He is with us, if you will. All right? The second thing is that He's telling us to trust in His promises. Let's go back to our, our key passage, John chapter 14. All right, let's go to verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Verse 4. You know the way to the place where I am going. Verse 5. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I'm going to go away. I'm going to leave you. What? What? This wasn't in the plan. This wasn't in the story. This isn't the way it was supposed to be. Those of you who are married, did you ever reach a point early in your marriage where you just went, what? No, this isn't the way I, this is not what I planned. This is not the way I want. This isn't the story I wrote. No, come on. And the enemy would love to get into that kind of place and, and, and wreak havoc. The only real promise is in life are God's promises. And what I want to challenge you today is that you live out of His promises. All right? And Jesus is saying to the disciples, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come and get you. I'm going to... My Father's doing this amazing thing. He's preparing this. In the, in the old King James, it says mansions. That's sweet for songs, but it's not, it's not really the best translation of that particular passage. It really should be rooms, like little rooms. It's under, it's under the old kind of like Hebrew concept when, when a, a, an elder son goes and gets a wife and he, he marries her. Well, they don't run off and start their own lives and build their own house and all that stuff like we do in Sioux Falls. Okay, they move in. Old dad just builds another room on the house and they move in and they live with the family and they do the work with the family and all that kind of stuff, all right? When the, when the next son is ready to be married he goes and he finds his wife they have a ceremony he doesn't get to go off old dad just builds another room that son brings his wife home and they move in and everybody does the work keeps having babies and doing life and they continue on as a family guess what if there are 12 sons there's 12 new rooms they keep working Jesus says, my Father's continuing to bring you in. It, it's an, that, that little message is amazing. Jesus is saying to the disciples, your family. You belong. He's already. He's already including them and, and, and laying out this amazing salvation message to the disciples. My Father is already preparing rooms. I'm going to go to Him. We're we're going to prepare a place for you. In other words, you're going to be sons like me. And He's going to come and get you, and He's going to bring you in. This is the promise of God. You are a part of His family. He's coming again. When He comes, He's going to take you, and He's going to bring you in with Him, and you're going to live with Him in eternity. That's this beautiful, amazing message of the gospel, and it's woven into this little passage here, all right? All right, the challenge here is that we live on on God's timeline and not our own. God is not slow, as we understand that, all right? God's own time, but it's not our timeline. And so we can sometimes get out of sync with God and even get disappointed with God because He doesn't come through when and the way we think He should. All right? And I, so I, w- I want to challenge you, you begin to, to live out of His promises. He is the promised Messiah and He has declared promises to you and I. All right? But some of those promises, even some of the promises, of the, the, the promise of the Messiah... That promise was there for a long time and then Jesus came. And we have to begin to look at our lives based out of what is God's promise, not out of our timeline for wanting something done. You and I live in the urgency. The tyranny of the urgency is on us and we live out of that. This is a hard hard but important lessons sometimes for us to learn when we face difficulties and we're waiting on God and He's not coming through at the particular time that we would like for Him to come through. Alright? Let's go to Psalm 145, verse 13 and look at that for some a moment. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. What David is trying to say here is that God works on a different plane than you and I do. All right, we're on a temporal plane, and we're in a temporal world. We have a world that ends at some point. We have a life that ends at some point. The kingdom of God is everlasting. All right, His dominion just keeps enduring generation after generation after generation. He's going on. Then this is the key. The Lord is faithful to all His promises and loving towards all He has made. If God has promised it, it's going to happen. And the reason it's going to happen is because He loves you. He loves you. It's so hard for us, especially if we came from families where our parents were not loving or not faithful or they made false promises. They didn't come through for us the way that we needed them to as, as, as young children. We depended on them. And, and, and see, we get upset with God because we, are, we found ourselves in those kinds of situations. Why would you put me in a family like that? That wasn't... Somewhere in all of this, and we're going to talk about it more in another part of the series, is we have to come to grips with the sovereignty of God. And I don't understand why I got the family I got. If they'd had been a library book, I'd have checked them back in quick. And got a different book. Couldn't do that. Alright, I'm in the story. I'm a, I'm a part of it. I can't, I can't check out of the book and then check the book in. I'm in there. All right? And so I want to challenge you and I that we, we move to this place to say, hey, you know what, even though earthly family, earth, you know, individuals in, our, in my life hadn't come through with promises, and maybe I got hurt out of some of that, that is not God. And so somewhere here I've got to shift, and I've got to let God heal me, and I've got to trust God in this place, that He is still a good God. Even though some tough stuff's happened to me, I've got to believe that God is still a good God. And so I've got to believe that he is trustworthy, all right? He, and, uh, this, this translation says faithful. He's faithful. He's trustworthy. The Bible says God is not a man that he could lie. There's two things there. God is not human. He's not going to lie. He is faithful. The reality is man is human. He is going to lie. He is going to be unfaithful. We, we can't put our stock in flesh and blood. We've got, please don't ever do that to the Pastors of Life Church, okay? <laughs> we are so human. It's scary. All right? We love you. We want to be faithful to you. We want to, we want to care about you and, and, and bless you. Uh, but don't put your stock in us. Put your stock in God. We will always try to take you to God, to Christ. All right? We've got we to wrap this up here, but I want to cover a couple more things here this morning. Let me, let me just run over. and uh, it, the, the last point is three points. The last point is that, that you trust God in him. All right. Not just trust him, but trust in him that your trust is, is, is de- that you put your life inside of him. All right. And, uh, and he, he even says that he says, you know, trust in me that I am the way, the truth and the life. All right. Okay. Now I want to, I want to give you uh, a couple of passages. All right. Um, hmm. yeah, let me do that. Let me give you a couple of passages here that I really want to want to kind of bring home to you. And, uh, Well, we'll, I'm condensing this as we move along here, okay? I want to go back to the Psalms real quickly, and you don't have to look these up. I just want to share them with you, okay? These are some of the things that David said about trust. In Psalm 22, verse 9, he says, Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust you, even at my mother's breast. This is where you have to reconcile some things with the sovereignty of God here. God made you the way you are. And not only that, God made you to trust. He did that by bringing you into this world as an infant. In other words, you couldn't take care of yourself. He formed you and brought you in. He ushered you into the world in such a manner that you could not trust in yourself. You had no ability, no way. You were forced by your own circumstances as is every other human being on the face of the earth to depend on someone else to take care of you. So he made you to trust. He developed this ability within you to trust. Why? So that you could get what you need from your mama? No. So that eventually you would turn to him and he would be your sufficiency and he would be your source and he would be your supply. I think that's, that's just amazing to me. He created you so that you would trust. Psalm 24, verse 4. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Again, he has created you to trust, but there are some things that are dependent on you, not just on him. He's faithful. He's going to come through. He's going to be there. He's made these exceptionally wonderful promises to you and to all of us. But there's something that you need to do, and that is that we, we have to be responsible to live our lives in such a manner that are worthy of these promises. So that's where it gets down to begin, the work begins to happen in us, all right? We have to break this old mindset, you know, of that, well, God just needs to do it and just give it to me because I'm special. You are special. You are, he, he knew you before you were in the womb of your mother. You are so special that He died for you. He gave His life through His only Son to die for you. That's how special you are. You are so special that He sent the Holy Spirit into the earth realm that you may be filled with that Spirit so that you can be comforted and you can know His love and His power in your life. He's he's done all of that. At that level, you are special. But you need to live a life in such a way that the goodness of God is evident. And thereby you open the, the the channel, if you will, the 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 venue, if you will, for God to come and, and and do amazing things in your life. And your trust will grow as that happens. All right. Psalm 25, verse 1. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. Again, there is some there's something on our part where we have to in 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 a very intentional and volitional way, say, you know what? I am going to trust you. I am going to believe you. We have to make a decision that we will trust God in issues of our life. And that's where it gets really tough sometimes. And so that's some of the stuff we're going to look at as we go forward. We're going to talk about fear and doubt and, and um, greed and all kinds of things. We're going to talk about the counterparts to those, the peace and joy and love and goodness and all those kinds of things as well. All right? But the key here is that you understand that there is some responsibility on our part now to do something. And that is to allow our hearts to be healed and to cooperate with God in that healing. All right? Psalm 25, verse 2, I trust in you, David says. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. In other words, there's some things I wrestle with. Even though I trust you, there are issues I'm concerned about. And he, he starts to name them. I don't want to be embarrassed. You know, I I don't want my enemies to overtake me. <laughs> How many times have you thought, if I trust God, I'm gonna look like this. The laugh, I'm gonna be the laughing stock of the world. If I trust God, this is gonna be so stupid looking. If it if it flounders, if I trust God, this is gonna get me in trouble. I remember once when we'll close with this. Maybe <laughs> I don't want to keep you too long, but I remember. when when my wife and I first came here and we first started the church, and we moved all of our our stuff here, and uh, we were in a little townhouse, and for whatever reason, uh, we didn't understand it. We went away for a a Christmas holiday, and we came back to our townhouse, and there was an eviction notice on on our townhouse. Do you remember that, Mrs. Olson? Uh, Way, 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 way back, and uh, there was a couple in the church, and the, the owners of the, of the townhouses decided to sell them to someone else, and that person wanted to turn them into condominiums and sell them, not rent them. And so he had everybody uh, move. And so we had been told we have a 30-day, uh, you know, window of time to get out. And we had gone back to Georgia to see my family for the holidays and spent the holidays there. So now we only have, you know, a few days left of this eviction notice time. And um, uh, a couple in our in our church at the time, she was. The keyboardist for us, and they said, "Hey, we live over on this part of town, and we've got a, a nice home that God's given us, and we, the whole lower level is is all furnished and fixed up, and you just move in there." And uh, we had nowhere else to go, so we did that. We just moved over there. We put all of our stuff in a in a storage unit, uh, and then we moved in, and um, it was really wonderful. And, uh, but people in the church, you know, there was a, a, a single mom and her daughter in the church and they ha- they got an apartment and they needed a sofa. Well, we had a sofa, so we gave them our sofa. Um, you know, uh, someone needed a washer and a dryer. We had a washer and a dryer. We gave them our washer and dryer. You know, we were just, you know, finally one day my wife came and said, okay, let's just mark the things I really want to keep. Okay. So that you don't give those away, you know? And so we went through the, the storage unit and she marked the things that were precious to her and, and, and we, we kept all of those things, you know? and uh and so we're, we're good with this all right we're we're giving things away and we're helping people and 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 we we maybe we sort of didn't take any thought for tomorrow i don't know i don't know how we did that i don't think we were being irresponsible in any way at all okay none at all and we we gave things away. but my wife went to a, a, a little breakfast with some of her friends professional friends and she was telling them that that bill gave the this away and that away and and uh we're living here now and and they, they said, well, what all has he given away? And so she sort of went down the list of things. He gave this to this single mom and her daughter. He gave this to, to this, this fella. And, that, you know, this, this family got this. And these people were having babies. And so they got all this stuff. And, and these women, they, they took her by the hands and they said, you need to do something. He's going to give away everything you have. You guys are going to have nothing. It didn't make sense. It wasn't logical. If, if, if you keep letting him do this, this, this hearing from God thing, he's going to, he's going to shipwreck your family. And you're going to have nothing. And all of a sudden, she comes home and goes, what are you doing? And I said, we're being generous. She goes, I know. <laughs> yeah. Long story short, we gave away a lot of stuff. One day we bought a house. When we bought that house, People were generous to us. People in the church gave us furniture. And, and we, at the end of it all, we had more furniture in our home than we had had in the townhouse. And you know what? It was better. It was better stuff. And people were generous to us. And they, they, they gave back what we had given away. And when it was the right time, we didn't, we didn't have people... A month before going, well, I, you know, I know you're in that town, that, that, that uh, basement apartment of those people and all that, and you got stuff, but we just want to give you some stuff anyway. You know, put, it, put, it, put this in your storage shed. We bought the house. We're like, okay, what are we going to do now? People started coming with furniture, giving and blessing us. And we had more in the end than we had in the start. What I'm saying is it's an amazing thing to trust God. It's an amazing, amazing thing to trust God and to trust His promises. All right? And I, I wanna I wanna challenge you and I that that we do that. I gotta tell you one more story and then and then we'll go. Let me see if I can I, I wanna make sure I get it, get it right here. Marian Anderson. Anybody ever heard of Marian Anderson? I, this is a remarkable woman. I just I love her story. Marian Anderson was an uh, amazing musician, alright? She, she was born in uh, 1897, I think, like February of 1897, black lady. And uh, she grew up in, in just a, you know, a, a poor situation. A poor, her, her dad was part of a Baptist church and, and very active and very involved. And he died when she was a little girl, and so her mom took in laundry. She began to do laundry to, to pay for, for everything for them. Uh, Marion had this unique gift in music. She was very, very gifted. And, and as, I'm going to shorten this story a lot, but as time went by, she became this unbelievable like, like uh, soprano. And uh, she was remarkable. She sang before kings and queens around the world. She sang in the White House. She sang at Carnegie Hall. She sang anywhere people could sing. She sang in a time when black people could not sing in halls. They could not sing in concert venues, if you will. Okay? They were, and, and, and black people could not come and hear black people sing in halls. So if a black person did, for whatever reason, get to eventually sing in a, in a concert hall in America, then it was still segregated. So then black people, her own people, could not come to hear her. And, and she, she was instrumental in changing all of that and, uh, and, and opened the door for African-American people to be able to come in and hear this kind of music and experience this kind of culture in America. It's fine on other continents, but not in America. And she had to, her, her, her story is one of unbelievable trials and tribulations along the way, all right? But she continued to, to do amazing things, and at every obstacle, God would open a door for her, and she would be able to train under these unbelievable people and she then she sings in all these places, and she comes home in, in the, the latter years of her life, just before her mom died. And, and her mom said, "Oh honey, what's the, most, what's the most exciting place that you have performed in? What's, what's the one place where, where you performed?" There's all these people around listening to her." And she, she says, "That is not the most exciting thing to me. You know what's the most exciting thing to me, mom? is the day that I came home a long time ago and I looked you in the eye and I said, Mama, you'll never have to wash clothes again. She said, the promise, it's here. It's here. Doesn't matter what you go through in life, doesn't matter what you deal with in life, there are promises that God gives you and in His time, in his time, he makes them rich and full and alive when he signs the check he may not date it, but the check is good, every time every time, let's stand I could preach you a whole other sermon about trust, and I might at some point I I just might Uh, but I want you to keep something in mind today, Jesus is coming again He has made that promise to you. But He has promised you that He will be with you and never leave you nor forsake you. He has promised you that He will give you the Holy Spirit. He has promised you that He will not give you anything that you cannot handle or bear up under. He has promised you everything that you need for life and godliness. He has promised you that He will be faithful to the end of the ages. He has made all of these promises to you so that you may be able to trust Him. And that is the beginning point, is trusting in God. And when we trust in God, we will be able then to allow Him to heal us, heal our hearts, and out of our hearts of trust for Him, we will be able to trust others as well. When we can trust others and we can trust God, I believe we can be very effective in the kingdom, winning lost people to Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you. Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Submit to His authority. And he will give you a good pathway in life. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you now and let him do a work in your heart. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to open the heart of every person in this room. I ask you to do something absolutely amazing here, God. I ask you to heal hearts. I ask you to heal those wounds, Lord, that have created distrust. I ask you to overcome the hurts and the pains, God in the lives of people in this room so that they may live a life that is full and rich in you and not simply to be self-serving but to serve others and to share your love. God, be glorified through our lives as we are made whole and complete in you. Holy Spirit, do your work. Fill every person in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, there are elders who will pray with you today. We would, we would love to pray with you. Otherwise, go to Life Light if you're out that way. Have fun. Be careful, please. Enjoy the rest of your holiday.